Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast on 24-7 Sports. I'm Bobby Darren here talking Rutgers football. Uh, Rutgers is 1-0, coming off a win against Boston College, uh, going into a game against Wagner. I'm going to recap what's been going on with Rutgers football, talk about Rutgers recruiting, but I can't do it alone, so I have to bring in the one and only, the man, the myth, the Brian Doan. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, man. You know, I'm glad that we had a full weekend of college football and everything felt right in the world. So it was good. It was, it was an enjoyable weekend. You know, it's funny. We do this all year long. So <laughs> when it finally arrives, it's like, wow, this is this is really what we're talking about. So, <laughs> you <laughs> it, it know, is, it, it's, it's funny, Bob, because, you know, I watch these games and, you know, geez, I Obviously, I know the Rutgers roster. I know those kids. I know the BC roster. It's just you go, and I'm sure if I look at the Wagner roster, I'm going to be like, "Yeah, I remember him. I remember him." <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, it, it makes it fun. You always are like, "Who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for?" Yo, man, I'm rooting for the kids who I cover, who were fun mm-hmm. to cover. Yeah, yeah, and it's the names pop. I mean, you still you hear NFL names, and you go, "I remember him," and <laughs> you know, yes, and sometimes you're like, "Wait." He's in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you hear the CFL, you hear the, yeah. the USFL. I mean, it's, it's you know. I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I ran into Donald Stort. At, I was at the uh, Seton Hall prep game that mm-hmm. played at Rutgers on Saturday. Right. And Donald Stort, the receiver from Paramus Catholic who went to Stanford and then got his master's and played at Wake Forest, you know, he comes walking up. He's like, hey, Brian. I'm like, hey. He's like, you remember me? And I'm like, help me. <laughs> and he's like, Donald Stort. I'm like, oh, man. And it was, you know, and, and you bring it up. Uh, he's like, I said, what do you, you know, he's helping coach at Seton Hall. And he's keeping in shape in case a club, a team calls or the XFL or whatever. And so, uh-huh. you know, you're right. I mean, we shoot, I watched, I watched the games in the spring, like, hey, him and him. So it's fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. You start to really recognize and you really recognize them because you cover recruiting from South Carolina yeah. to Maine. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're yeah. always busy, but always good to hear your thoughts post-Rutgers game. And, um, you know, a lot to talk about. Not a pretty win against Boston College, 22-21 victory nonetheless. Um, I, I guess, Brian, just, just give me uh, your impressions. I guess what really pops out at you about this win and about this team? Well, a couple things. First of all, anybody who's, co- who's you know covered or watched Rutgers for the last decade Anytime you go on the win on the road and win a Power Five game, it's a pretty win. I don't care how you got there; it's a pretty win. All right, but um, you know, a couple of things that really stood out to me was I am always, you know, and we'll start because everybody loves quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody talks about how if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have none, and I, I'm a big subscriber to that, right? It means that you don't have that complete player, but this is one of those situations with Rutgers where I could see him playing two all season. And I think it's pro- I think it's the right choice, mm-hmm. as, you know, unless somebody really separates themselves because you've got Wimsat who's more of the running threat and has a strong arm, but has to get out of control, has to make sure he's getting through his reads. I know on one of the picks that he threw, just, you know, was staring at the receiver forever. Um, and you have Evan Simon who a little bit better in the past game, you know, the people that don't think Evan Simon is, is that good of a quarterback, um, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there's some things he does really well, um, including he'll, he'll run the offense and he'll, he'll make the right checks at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. And 
and he'll throw some nice passes. But then on a two-point conversion, he saw the crossing guy just threw it too late. You know, by the time he saw it, his feet weren't set. And, and so what I noticed with the quarterbacks were it was a lot of inexperience, some mm-hmm. indecision, and now you have a week to get better at that with Wagner. But that stuck out to me. And um, what also, you know, the, the other two things that stuck out to me were, you know, they batted the BC quarterback so much that a guy who is considered an NFL guy, um, and if he didn't get hurt last year, a lot of people thought he would have left last year, uh, was really rattled, missed some open throws. And you miss those open throws when you're worried about getting hit all the time and you're not moving your feet and your feet and your arm aren't working in unison. And the other thing that stood out was, you know, when they got the ball, when Rutgers was down, uh, whatever it was, what was it, six points, and they got the ball on their own four-yard line, and Gavin Wimsat came out to uh, to run the to run that drive. I turned to the person I was sitting next to, um, happened to be somewhere watching the game, and that somewhere was in the Rutgers Stadium press box because of the <laughs> high school games there. But I turned to the person and I said, "There is no way they are throwing the ball here," and that's why they brought Wimsat out because it was like, "Okay, we're not losing this game because we have a." turnover throwing the ball deep in our own territory and then as the drive continued and once they got the second first down I was like man the only thing stopping Rutgers on this drive is Rutgers Mm -hmm. BC was gassed their defensive lineman you could see them huffing and puffing with their hands on their hips during that last drive and you know and and then it's the first time and and I've seen some scrimmages or a practice here or there where you know I know what Al Shadi Salam is about the running back out of, I think it's, is it at East Orange? Is yes. it from or mm-hmm. Okay. East Orange. And, and I, you know, it all runs together sometimes. <laughs> no, but, I know. Trust but, me. You know, watching him when he was a senior and, and knowing what his track times were, his junior year, and just waiting for something, those two runs he had to put, you know, to, to put the ball in the end zone on that last touchdown drive, um, they, they were a tremendous on the fact that, he showed some really good burst. He set up some blocks. I think the first run, he got so excited, his feet got tangled a little bit, and he couldn't mm-hmm. get to exactly where he <laughs> wanted to. But there were there were things that you set you you watched, and you're like, man, you can you can see the growth in a, in a lot of ways from last year to this year with him and with other players. Look, Max Melton did not have a very good game playing cornerback, but I thought the rest of the secondary did a good job. Yeah. Um, and and just just from watching it, I mean. I, I just looked at it and I thought Rutgers had shown a lot of growth from where they were at the end of last season to now. And Brian, you follow recruiting so closely. I mean, you start to see some of these prospects develop and uh, a guy like Wesley Bailey, uh, Al Shadi, like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, is this kind of what you saw in them as recruits? I mean, you could probably go down the line. Robert Longerbeam had a good game. Um, you know, some of these guys are really starting to, to contribute. Yeah, they are. And I remember going to a a spring practice um, and I'm watching practice and watching this D lineman who's just moving so well all over the place. And, you know, I I don't exactly know every number out there. I'm like, hey, who's that? And like Wesley Bailey. I'm like, ooh, he Mm -hmm. looks good. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, even at Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia, you know, I get it that the freshmen come in and play, but it takes time to develop. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, go, you know, I, 
I know there's a lot of people out there that, that have a little bit of free time. Go back and see how long it took Shiano the first time he was at Rutgers to kind of turn things around and get them to be in a better team and playing consistent. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that these things take time. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and people don't want to give time anymore, right? And I'm not saying that they beat BC and all of a sudden they're going to go seven and six or go to a bowl, whatever. I mean, get through Wagner, get through Temple and see where you sit. Mm -hmm. um, but it just takes time to develop. I mean, Roger Longerbeam was a kid who was committed to Temple and they loved his speed. Mm -hmm. And so when Fran Brown joined Rutgers, you know, it was easy to, to flip him. But just because you're fast, you still have to learn the technique. You have to know how to drive on the ball. you got to be able to understand what the coverages are. And I don't care how fast you are. You're still an 18-year-old kid in a lot of cases trying to go tackle 23-year-olds, mm -hmm. especially with the super seniors. And so, yeah, it's what you say. It, this stuff just takes time. And there's going to be some incredible frustration with the quarterbacks this season because they're young and inexperienced. and Young and inexperienced quarterbacks make mistakes. That's how you get better. Mm -hmm. Other than Bryce Young or, you know, maybe when Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson or whatever. But right. it, it just takes time, man. And so there's, I think part of the fun is being able to watch players develop and grow. And, and you hit it. I thought, you know, Bobby, you and I spoke at one point last year, and I was like, man, Lagerbeam, you know, he's got a, got a ways to go still. And, and he still does. But – this was a nice step for him in the opener to kind of see if he can continue to uh, make those positive gains. And, you know, he played, wound up playing more snaps than Kassan Abraham, a cornerback who was the defensive MVP last year. So, um, you know, considering that this was their best player last year in Abraham, you know, you got longer being taking that step up and, 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 you know, really contributing. Yeah. I don't know if he was the best player, but we'll call him the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you know, listen, he, he can run, he's got length, and he's got loose hips. Mm -hmm. And so go go learn. And and I look at, you know, in the first half, Zay Flowers had a big half against Rutgers. And the second half, you know, Rutgers paid a little bit more attention to him with the safeties and stuff. And so, you know, I, I love the questions, what are the what are the halftime adjustments? Mm -hmm. Halftime adjustments, man. After every series, they're making adjustments, which mm -hmm. plays into the fact of, I know people were probably frustrated that they rotated the quarterback so much, but you know, the series ends, Wimsat comes off the field, and on the BC sideline, they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do to counter Wimsat next time or keep doing this, and then Evan Simon's there, so it keeps the other team kind of guessing. You know, look, you'd still rather have one quarterback to get in that rhythm and everything, and if they had a quarterback who could throw it and run the way they wanted to, you'd have one quarterback, but they don't have it. It's mm -hmm. not an ideal situation, but I think it's, I think it's something we're going to see pretty much all season unless somebody just jumps up and grabs the quarterback spot. You know, and I've seen Gavin Wimsett make some great throws, but like you said, there's still so much to process and so much to learn, but it'll be exciting watching his progress. And, and even like you said, Simon really showed some stuff out there, and, and, and he showed some stuff in practice as well. I, listen, I like Gavin Simon coming out of high school. I thought he was a really good player, good leader. Um, as you know in recruiting, and, and we both expressed our frustrations, he wasn't always the most talkative. <laughs> but he is he is a guy who um you know will have command of a huddle 
and he understands that he'll he'll understand the playbook. Now he's still got to see what defenses do, and so there's that aspect of it. And then you have Wimsat, who listen, I don't subscribe to this whole well, he should be an you know he should only be a freshman this year. Mm-hmm. No man, he was with you all last year, so right. I don't want to hear that. Now the flip side of that though is because when he got in, he did not get training camp. He did not get a lot of the reps you would typically like a quarterback to get. Mm-hmm. You, you know, especially they didn't have one scout team the whole time, obviously, because they were putting some stuff in for him. So it was a disjointed season for him last year, just in terms of everything that went on. Right. And I don't mean disjointed in a bad way. I just mean, you know, he coming in after his first high school game and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's still a learning process. I mean, right. there's a reason when you look around the country that teams make leaps and they, and they play better when they have junior and senior quarterbacks who have mm-hmm. experience. Right. Um, that can be good, but, mm-hmm. you know, that, I was at Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett wasn't the end-all, be-all two years ago, and then last year he had a fantastic year. Yeah. And another kid who we, you know, didn't get a a lot of attention recruiting wise and, you know, first round NFL draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just remember him being committed to Temple. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) you know, I I remember Pitt being out scouting him um, at a baseball game. Oh, wow. And deciding, hey, man, this kid is really athletic and they like the only, they like so much about him. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, and guys develop differently, They, they grow differently. Um, everybody's kind of on a different timetable, and mm-hmm. and that's what makes this stuff interesting and fun. Yeah, and, and speaking of different guys, um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Taj Harris, um, you know, uh, steps away <laughs> steps away from the team, um, you know, for personal reasons. You covered Taj from the time he was. Um, you know, a high school recruit out of Palmyra yeah. went to Syracuse, decommitted, committed to Kentucky, wound up not going to Kentucky, went to Rutgers late this January. Uh, what's your take on, on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to digest there, and, and some of it um, should not be done in a public forum, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple things. He, he is a very talented kid, which is why... Rutgers was willing to take a chance with him, right? Um, he was going to go to Kentucky. There were some academic hurdles to get through there. Um, so that kind of fell through when he wound up at Rutgers. And, you know, before we talk about football, understand he had to do a ton of work in the classroom just to make sure he was eligible. Mm-hmm. And he did that. And he was focused and he understood it. And so you give him credit for that, right? Because as you well know, Bobby, mm-hmm. there's nothing more important than the degree. I don't right. care if you're going to the NFL, you know, there's plenty of guys in the NFL who still come back and get their degrees because they understand mm-hmm. the importance of it. So he did the work there. And I think that was important. He was injured for a bit in spring practice didn't really get the kind of reps he wanted to. Um, and it never really seemed to click to get him into the rotation. Um, and, and maybe it would have at some point, but they didn't go into the Boston college game with him 
as one of their top receivers or even in the regular rotation. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some frustration on his part, but this is not him getting kicked off the team or anything like that. It is just prioritizing things and, you know, with his, with his life, with his family. And that's what this is about. And is the door open for him to come back? Sure. I mean, he's a really good receiver. He runs fast. And, you know, the one thing I've noticed about Shiano, you know, last time, and even this time around is he's, he's more willing to give people chances if things can get straightened out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I expect Taj Harris back? No, but if he came back, it'd be a great story, and you hope he has success. But you know, for him, and then he, and then after all of it breaks yesterday, he puts on Twitter that he's going to step back from football. So it tells you that this is not just a football thing. Right. And I know there was some stuff out there about hey, he was suspended for the first quarter. I checked; um, nobody told me that. Mm-hmm. We said he was. Everybody said that. Um, if they needed him, he would have played. Right. So I, I just think it's a it's a frustrating situation. It's an unfortunate situation, and then you just hope that you know Taj gets things moving in the direction he needs them to get moving um, to just be a productive person. Yeah, yeah, and you know people get lost. Uh, they lose sight of the fact that they're still just kids, and you know you realize that sometimes even when you talk to them, you you know they're these gigantic human beings, but they sometimes they have faces I, of kids. I will never forget. You know, you say that, and I remember when I got out of college and I was cutting my teeth. I was working at the Trentonian, and I covered the Miami Rutgers football game at Rutgers. I think it was a <laughs> Thursday night. This is this is how old I am. I believe, I mean, Warren Sapp played for Miami. So we're going back. And at the time, Miami had like five or six kids on the team named Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. Chris T. Jones, Chris, you know, and they all went. I remember Chris T. Jones. So Miami wins. Uh And I'm walking. This is old Rutgers Stadium, you know, before they enclosed it and everything. Uh And I'm walking off the field with them. And keep in mind, I'm I'm fresh out of college, so it's not like I'm some grizzled vet or anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to him because in those days you could just do interviews on the field after. Okay. And he takes his helmet off, and I'll never forget the kid was like had to be like six three, six four because he was taller than me. Mm-hmm. And I I just remember him taking the helmet off and and going, oh my goodness, he looks like a little kid. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it's what you said. I mean, you forget these. You know, some of these kids are really young, and some are more mature than others. So it, there's a lot that goes on with this stuff. And, and you know, some of them, if you're good from the time you were a kid, that's all you've been told. And and some of their realities isn't necessarily what you or I know as realities. You know, or, or the average person. Um, you know, so the, it, being put up on a pedestal, it sometimes. You know, it doesn't. It, it isn't the best uh, progression to make going up through you know teenage years into young adulthood. No, man, I watch it. You know, you you see it with kids that are enabled, and there's not the accountability that you would like them mm-hmm. to have. And if they decide they don't want to do something, there's always somebody there to make an excuse for them on why they don't want to do something, rather than, hey, man you got to go do this. Right. Um, and and you, you see that 
Now, that's still a small percentage of them, mm-hmm. but the ones you see it with, it usually doesn't work out for them. Right, right. Well, you know, on that note, I wanted to, to jump into recruiting. Uh, kind of a quiet time now. Rutgers just got a, a long snapper. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never really a quiet time for you. But um, in terms of Rutgers, you know, class of 2023 is kind of filled up. Um, what what can we expect out of the rest of this class after now, you know, adding a, a long snapper? Well, now you got the long snapper situated. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. it's all downhill after that, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, he's not, listen, it's a, it's a vital part of the team, obviously. And uh-huh. so we like to, you know, but it's also fun to joke around a little bit about it. But I'll say this, if you don't have, there's a lot of good long snappers out there. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a good one, everyone knows it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so but, true. I mean, I guess now it's a long snapper. Maybe go get a quarterback. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I think if they go quarterback, it would be a transfer portal situation anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think now you're you're waiting on you know the, the edge guy from down at Georgetown Prep, Keontae Hamilton's former teammate Nandi Odiogu, mm-hmm. who told me uh, what's today. He told me Monday that he was getting close to a decision. Um, you know, I don't think much new will come his way. I know he's dealing with an injury down there that he told me. Um, I don't know how much of it is out, so I'll just, you know, I know he's injured and people will see that he doesn't play, so we'll leave it at that. Okay. But I think right now Rutgers is the, is the school to beat. Uh, he was waiting on Stanford. I didn't get the sense that Stanford was going to offer things change, but as long as Stanford doesn't offer, all should be good there with Rutgers. I'd be surprised if he went somewhere else. And then you just continue to evaluate kids and see if somebody jumps up. Um, You know, there's the linebacker from Avon Old Farms who they still really like. um, Christian Allegro. Christian Allegro, who is trying to settle on some visits, but he also has uh, you know, a lot of his games are on Saturdays and the season starting, so it's going to be difficult for him to get places. Um, but again, I, you know, the offense, it's in day offer option of alignment at uh, Florida Keys, which, listen, I volunteered out of the goodness of my heart to go down and evaluate the kid. <laughs> Is that a Key West? <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, our guy, Andrew Ivins, who works in South Florida. I understand that's his territory, but I was just saying if he needed somebody to go down and evaluate, you know, and I would be looking for like a late season eval, kind of like oh, a, yeah. a late November, like November or December, yeah. early right December. Right before signing kind of, day. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would go down and do that for him. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, just that. And so you're, you're just kind of looking at some of those things. And, you know, one thing I've learned covering Greg Schiano over the years is he will always continue to recruit during the season and he will recruit hard. But first and foremost, he wants to win these games. And I think this is um, a year that, you know, you, you win that game against BC, you have Wagner and Temple. You could be looking at Iowa going into that, you know, three, and know, I think mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, I think there's some reason for some optimism if you can do some good things against Iowa. So, um, I, I think a lot of their efforts going to be put forth there. Then they'll really start evaluating some senior film uh, late September. 
Okay, and if they if they can get to a bowl game, I, I recommend somewhere near that Key West area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no uh, Fenway Bowl or no Pinstripe Bowl. I mean, let's go somewhere warm, right? Oh man, I'll tell you what. I mean, listen, there's nothing better than December 27th in Michigan. You know, at, at the uh, Ford Field in Detroit. Oh. Yeah, where it's freezing. Don't, don't they still have the Bahamas Bowl? I, I don't know if that was. Listen, if they do, I think I should cover it. <laughs> they should, yeah, play at the Bahamas Bowl. I don't care who they play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, listen, they, they can go play like Iowa Western Junior College. <laughs> I'll go cover it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think this is a, a really interesting time just to, you know, sit and enjoy a couple – you know, games without dealing with recruiting a lot. And the dog's even vouching for you, Brian. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know why she's not in bed right now. Uh, there must be like some deer running through the yard. Or something. Uh, uh, it's always priceless. I was on a, uh, on serious radio last week and, and my daughter started uh, like, you know, hollering in the back and I'm trying to get her to quiet. I'm driving. Then I get pulled over for talking on the phone. <laughs> But the cop knew who I was. He was a good guy, so you know, no, no harm, no foul. But uh, <laughs> before oh, I leave, Brian, anything That's else uh, you'd like to add after those revelations? <laughs> Listen, I, I think um, you know, for those who are going to watch the Wagner game, mm-hmm. um, here's the only thing that matters in the Wagner game: don't get anybody hurt. Mm-hmm. They can go, you know, I don't know whether they're going to throw the ball. They didn't throw the ball over the middle against BC, obviously by design. They had the one seam pass to the tight end. The pick by Wimsett, I think, was a deep ball over the middle. I think they push everything outside. I'd like to see them throw some over the middle against Wagner just to get that into the playbook and against the mm-hmm. opponent that you should roll. Mm-hmm. But listen, man, they're going to come out. People are going to, here's what I can guarantee with Wagner people are going to complain that there's not enough people in the seats early. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a pretty vanilla offense. And by the third quarter, pretty much all the backups will be in. So mm-hmm. take that time to just enjoy it and watch the backups and evaluate some stuff off, off of that without getting too crazy about things. Yeah, good way to watch it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's great to start off the season with a win. It gets everybody in a better mood. So, uh, Ryan, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate it. And thank Thank you for listening. You can catch Brian and myself on the roundtable on 24-7 Sports. We're there all the time, all day, all night, talking Rutgers, recruiting, whatever you want. So uh, for Brian Doan, I'm Bobby Darren. We'll see you next time.